What does an actress, a French chateau, and the governor of New Jersey have in common? Episode 19 of the Booterverse. Welcome to the episode, everybody. It is going to be a lovely one. We have with us actress Emily Burton, and she's going to talk about all of her experiences and her upcoming endeavors in Paris, France. We have Vasily Krapoff with us today with a special report on Ebola, and of course, Judy Scheinbaum answers your question, all today on this episode of The Booterverse. Today's episode of The Booterverse has been brought to you by Rubber Bands. Rubber Bands, because what else would you flick your younger brother with? And now for news in my orbit. Forget Harry Styles. On the heels of the staggering success of 1989, pop star Taylor Swift has finally ended days of mad speculation by announcing that the inspiration for all the relationship songs on her latest album is actually New Jersey Governor Chris Christie. While she stops short of confessing to any improprieties, she nonetheless says he has a special place in her heart. The album's first track, Welcome to New York, was, according to Swift, originally to be titled Welcome to New Jersey, but she feared it gave too much away and changed the lyrics at the last moment. Swift says that she hoped a glimpse of Christie as a tender individual, worthy of love, would go a long way to combating the image problems that have plagued the politician, not the least of which were the innumerable fat jokes that have been made at his expense. And there are rumors that following Swift's revelation, Weird Al Yankovic is already hard at work on a parody of Out of the Woods, called Out of the Fridge. The chorus repeatedly asks, is he out of the fridge yet? Is he out of the fridge? And describes Christie being late for a press conference because, quote unquote, he couldn't stop snacking. It's not fair. Please give him a chance, Swift begged, and stop mocking him for being a large man. He's got a good heart, or at least a large one. Moving from pop sensations and music, we now turn to the NFL. A man who vanished during the NFL game in Seattle last week, only to be found safe three days later, told police that he'd simply had his, quote-unquote, fill of football. Josh Kittredge made the headlines when his family and friends asked the public for help in finding the 45-year-old who failed to return to his seat after the halftime of the Seahawks-Raiders matchup. Kittredge said he went to the men's room, got some more beer, and then decided he'd had enough. Seriously, he told reporters, don't people ever get tired of watching these guys chase a ball around? It looks like a freaking overgrown egg. What's the point? He was found at the Seattle Art Museum when activity on his debit card was traced to the gift shop. Having shed the last of his officially licensed NFL apparel in protest, he became cold and purchased a Seattle Art Museum hoodie, which he was wearing when the authorities spotted him on a bench in front of John Singleton Copley's 1772 Portrait of Sylvester Gardner. Kittredge confessed to having spent his lost days at the museum sipping wine, eating canapes, and enjoying the heck out of the American Masterworks exhibit. He says he will no longer join his friends at the sports bar and plans to spend his Monday evenings lecturing tour groups about 19th century art. Moving from art to healthcare in an attempt to smooth billing processes and reduce cost across the healthcare delivery system, the 13,000-itemed ICD-9 medical coding system is being expanded. When it debuts in October 2015, the new and improved ICD-10 
will have grown to a staggering 68,000 billing codes and will no doubt keep online university students busy for decades to come. And for the consumer, the bizarrely specific codes can create a snapshot of an unfortunate night that's every bit as embarrassing as that vine someone tweeted when you, well, you know. If you were struck by an orca, there's now a way for your doctors to specify that this was at least your first time. And if your burns were due to your water skis catching fire, that's unfortunately going to be with you for the rest of your life. As are the injuries resulting from arts and handicrafts, and those that occurred in balloon accidents and opera houses. Then there's code S10.87XA, otherwise known as a quote-unquote superficial bite on other specified part of neck initial encounter. Let's just say if you have a hickey bad enough to require medical attention, it's comforting to know that you will be billed appropriately. We now turn to lawlessness, which has descended on the sleepy hamlet of Hanover, Manitoba. Last week, the town held a vote, and scheduled for the docket was a measure to overturn a century-old alcohol ban. Town officials responding to continued pressures to allow Hanoverians free reign to booze it up finally decided to research the prohibition in advance of the potential referendum. But once city councilors started digging through the archives, they discovered that no bylaw has ever existed, making the town dry. That's when residents suddenly suspicious of every rule and regulation exploded into anarchy. Cyrus Towns, 85, was arrested for driving 45 in a 30 mile per hour speed zone, and no fewer than three individuals were picked up for flagrant jaywalking. People took their cows to public places, Miners played billiards, and the especially daring remained in City Park after dusk. City police were forced to admit that they couldn't hold anyone until the illegality of each offense was proven, and a crack team of lawyers has been brought in to hurry the job along. And that's been it for News in My Orbit. We'll be right back, right after this. Buddha. Today's episode of The Bootiverse is brought to you by Kilts. Kilts, when you like to feel that updraft in the nether regions... Now back with us on the show is our intrepid foreign correspondent, the Ukrainian, Vasily Krapov. Vasily, it's great to have you back on the show. I hear you're going to be giving us a special report on Ebola. That is right, Emery. Welcome back for myself. It is good to be here with you. I'm loving this time for you. Thank you so much for having me. It is good timing to be here on show, and I want people to know that what we are doing is very important, and the, 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 the places that we are going to, to fight out Ebola is good timing. Well, Vasily, what is your report on Ebola? Where exactly are you? Well, actually, Emery, this is a crazy story because what is happening is I am on cruise ship. And this is right, cruise ship being quarantined and I cannot get off the boat. Wait, Vasily, you are calling us from a cruise ship? Yes, that is right. That is correct. The, the cruise ship is actually in dry dock right now in the harboring and it will not let us off. CDC and people from World Health Organization, who, I do not know, it is not rock band, but it is World Health Organization, is here and they are not letting people leaving the boat. Well, Vasily, what's happening? Is there actually Ebola on the boat? Actually, no Ebola on the boat, as far as we can tell, but people do not want to get the Ebola in the places where we are at. Vasily, where exactly in the world are you? Well, you know, it's hard to say. Captain actually had few drinking at Captain's dinner, and we actually charting off course. So we are at the western side of Africa. I do not know how we get here from Mediterranean, but what are you going to do? Vasily, are you suggesting that you took a Mediterranean cruise 
and you're now ending up on the west side of Africa? Yes, this is correcting. And let me tell you, Ebola is very difficult to root out. So we are taking no chances being on boat. And I would like you to know that lifeing is hard here. We are dining on shrimp and caviar alone. Light, timing is tough. Timing is very tough. And I want people to understand what I do for you as correspondent. Because as I sit here on, in the Lido deck, I do not understand this Lido concept. Actually, is it after the Jared Lido Hector person, I do not understand. Uh, he's very good. I saw the Dallas Buyers Clubbing, and it is wonderful because what the clubbing is doing is talking about a very serious issue, like serious issue of Ebola. And I would like people to understand that Ebola is very serious and not something you want to catch. Vasily, I think most people on the planet know that they do not want to catch Ebola. Listen, Amory, how do you know this thing? People out there do not understand. It's not like CDC is telling people, hello, Ebola bad for you. And what What are you seeing on regular news sources? Not anything that you are getting with Vasily. Let me tell you, Vasily is here at the heart of situation. We are dry docked inches away from Ebola crisis. All right, Vasily, I really appreciate where you're at, but basically you're on a cruise ship. How is that helpful? Listen, Emery, I'm playing shuffleboard morning, noon, and night. Do you understand how hard it is? It is wearing down on my soul. People do not understand how difficult it is to go ahead and play shuffleboard with 80-year-old people all the time, every day. They are so sneaky, too, and they're cheating. I do not understand this, but, like, these octogenarian people, they are, like, you know, that 80-year-old, that they, like, they're cheating on the shuffleboard. They take their little shoes, and they push the thing to get higher score. It is not cool. I do not this. Uh, people need to understand that shuffleboard is international sport and should be treated with respect. Vasily, I think we have totally gone off the topic here. Listen, topic is no big deal. Listen, I am here to help educating people on Ebola. The point of it is Ebola bad. I am cruising right now, so I have to go. But Ebola bad, do not get it. Well, thank you, Vasily. I appreciate your special report on Ebola. Thank you, Emery. Good time to be here. We will be seeing you shortly, of course. Yes, and listen, I sent a postcard from West Africa. You will find it mail. Thank you, Vasily. And we'll be right back, right after this. Buddha. Today's episode of the Buddhaverse is brought to you by Paper Footballs. Paper Footballs, because pigskin is just so 20th century. Buddha. Welcome back, everybody. It's now time for Judy Scheinbaum to answer your questions in a segment we like to call The Last Lung with Judy. Judy Scheinbaum, you're here on the Booterverse. Welcome back. Oh, Emery, it's so good to be here. You, my dear, are, as always, a gem. Thank you, Judy. Are you ready to answer people's questions? You bet you love. Let's stop. Our first question is from Teresa in Long Island. Oh, I love the Long Island. It's so, you know, long and islandy. She asks, should you take candy from a baby? Well, Teresa, the question and the answer is one and the same. Of course you should. Taking candy from a baby is easy. They don't need to be eating those sweets anyway. What would Richard Simmons say? Take that candy from that baby right now. They don't need more sugar, more carbohydrates, more of that nastiness in their souls. They don't need it. Take it away. So should you steal candy from a baby? Judy Scheinbaum says unequivocally, yes. Next. Our next question is from Andrea in Tarpon Springs, Florida. She says, <clears throat> and I quote, I accidentally electrocuted my friend's cat while I was house-sitting for her. How do I break the news? Oh, sweetheart, this is a very serious sort of situation. I can't necessarily tell you exactly what to do, but I will say this. 
there is a God and you should pray to him because there is no way your friend is going to forgive you. What you basically have done is that schmutched upon five decades of friendship. And my dear, I hope you have friend insurance. Meaning, I hope you have a couple friends in the wings because what you have done, mm, somewhat unforgivable. Listen, if I had a nickel for every time a cat died on my watch, I'd have enough to go to the laundry mat for two decades. You, my dear, have to start praying. Pray hard. Pray long. And perhaps you should join that Egyptian religion because I don't know what they're doing over there, but they love the cats. Maybe a cat can bring back the life. So my advice to you, sweetheart, is just change your name, your zip code, and just move on. It's time. It's time. Oh, here's a question from Milo in Broken Arrow, Oklahoma. He says, I want a comic book superhero to be a fan of, but I'm worried Batman and Spider-Man are too mainstream these days. Who should I devote myself to? Well, Marlo, let me ask you a question. If you're worried about comic books being too mainstream, you've missed the boat. Okay, my friend, you are not on the bus at all. Comic book heroes are delightful. One time, I know my daughter Eliza wanted to be She-Hulk for Halloween, and I said, no, dear, you cannot be She-Hulk for Halloween. It was a lesser-known comic book character, and I thought she would be made fun of. Plus, I don't like purple and green, oi. But let me tell you, it actually worked out very well. So my actual recommendation for you is go ahead and go with, with She-Hulk. Also, I do like the Black Panther. I like that guy in that uh, black spandex suit. Here's another question from Luigi in Lubbock. He says, Insomnia, how can I get it? I feel as though I'd be so much more productive with my life if I couldn't sleep. Are you kidding me? You'd be more productive if you couldn't sleep? Listen, my friend, your body is going to wear down faster than a 1957 Studebaker. You need your rest. Insomnia is not the way to go. But if I might say, if you wanted to stay up, I know a guy who knows a person who has caffeine pills at the ready, perhaps a little <laughs> that you could take and you could be just, you know, uppity uppity all the time. Now, I will say it will, be wear, it will wear and tear on your body. But, you know, listen, you're lovely, I'm sure. You have a long life to lead. Listen, if you need a couple nights of sleeplessness... That's who I would call. Actually, you can direct message me after the show and we can get something hooked up for you. Mm, Judy Scheinbaum, have I become a dealer? No, I like to think of myself more as a facilitator. Judy, are you offering drugs to people on the show? Sweetheart, no, of course not. I'm just offering caffeine pills. It's not a crime. It's not a crime. And that's been it for The Last Lung with Judy. I love you all. And we'll be right back, right after this. Today's episode of The Booterverse is brought to you by Amish Buggies. Amish Buggies, when taking a car, is just too mainstream. Buddha. Hey everybody, welcome back to The Booterverse. I am sitting here with the lovely, inimitable Emily Burton. Emily, it's great to have you here. Thank you so much. Good to be here. It is such a delight. You are an actor, an artist. <laughs> We're going to talk about a myriad of things today, from acting to, to France. So, when did you get the acting bug? Oh, I'd say fourth grade, actually. Mm, um, <laughs> fourth grade. It was a good year for me. Yeah, yeah. We did these things in uh, elementary school, these plays, you know, Shakespeare plays. Yes, uh, But of very Shakes abridged versions. Mm, Shakespeare at fourth grade. Yes. Mm. I don't know how that happened, but I was, we did uh, Macbeth. You did Macbeth. And I was Lady Macbeth. Mm. And I memorized the out damn spot. <laughs> Oh my! Monologue. Except for I don't think the word "damn" was in there, but you know. Oh man, they didn't let you say that in fourth grade. They need to be pure, yeah. pure to the story, pure to the, yeah. the text. <laughs> no, but I mean, the minute that I was up there, um, I don't know. I loved the whole process of it. 
at you know the age that I was fourth grade memorizing the lines and everything was just such a such a cool opening of I guess the story in a way even though I didn't really get too into it since you know I was in fourth grade but yeah very cool Absolutely. No, I remember in fourth grade, those are some very adult sort of themes, especially in Macbeth. Yes. I'm not really sure how they abridged it. I don't remember exactly. Probably probably not will. (laughs) But uh, yeah, that's when I started doing, you know, a little theater around town and um, did some... I did modeling also as like um, at a young age and... Me too. So... Mm, Buster Brown was good to me. (laughs) So, I don't know. It just made it... um, I just started doing performing, I guess. How was California different from from where you grew up? Extremely different. Such a contrast. Good contrast? Amazing. I mean, there are things that I love about Lexington and things I love about the West Coast. um, But the thing that I loved the most is what I learned from understanding the differences. And I think that's where I caught the bug to travel. Sure. (laughs) Because I just, I learned, I know that in college... Usually that's a big learning period for anybody, but going away and being away from your parents and being so far, far away was such a growing period. Do you think that people are, by their very nature, either city people or country people? No. No? You th- I mean, like, I, I sort of think that people who gravitate toward a bigger city sort of always have that inside them, always have that sort of internal sort of proclivity. To, to go to the city, to be there. They're drawn by it. I think it just depends. I, I think it depends on where you are in your life, though. Mm. I think it has to do with what you're searching for. There are times when I've been in big cities where I want nothing to do with it whatsoever. And then, however, I guess I am always drawn back to them. But I'm also 24 years old and... A mere babe. Yes. <laughs> so I have a long time to, I think, knock on wood, um, to explore different types of places. So, I mean, I don't know. Yeah. What's the, the the biggest lesson you learned at USC? Um, being open-minded, hmm. I think. So in the development of your story, would you say, is this fair, a smaller town girl moves to the big city, learns about life, and goes to Paris? Well, yeah, sure, if you want to bullet point it. Oh, well, of course I do, because <laughs> I work in cliches and, you know, sort of monologue-ish ridiculousness so yes that's what i'm gonna do yes. i'm gonna bullet point it <laughs> to death perfect mm. it works if my life was bullet pointed it would say booter bow ties beards bam all bees i like the bam yeah at the end the bam at the end <laughs> whew, so crucial uh, to my sounds, story sounds like it yeah some people like to put punctuation some people don't okay um but i like to think in terms of cartoon sort of lettering. Wait, so you're saying BAM is what? Like an exclamation point? Like BAM. Well, it's the word BAM with the B. But oh, yeah, so that, there's definitely an exclamation point So that is it. the punctuation. You betcha. Mark, I see. It is, in fact, I itself see. punctuation. Very cool. Mm. Very cool. So when you went to Paris, when was the first time? Um, The first time, I, it was a graduation trip. When I graduated college, a year later from that, I went on a trip for two weeks to France and I started in Paris and then I went down to the Loire Valley and this little island called Corsica and uh, back up to Paris and and the, and Nice as well. But that was the first time. It was two weeks. It was really fast. But I just... 
So you had a quickie in France, and I yeah. want to say, <laughs> what was your favorite part? Did you like Paris? Were the Parisians nice to you, or were you happy in the South? Loire Valley, mm. my favorite. Mm. The history, ah. the chateaus, yes. the wine. I was actually birthed in a chateau. Oh, really? No, that's not. Oh true. man. I know it would have been a major story. <laughs> part of part of the life bullet point. Right. You could just put chateau there. Bam. Bam. Chateau. <laughs> Hello, it's of course. I was born in Chateau. Bam. <laughs> a little known Chateau on the river. De Loire. <laughs> I feel like the French could just mumble and I'd still think it sounded pretty. I think they do sometimes. On sometimes purpose? I think they do. Is it just to be just to be rude? No, no. Well, maybe. I, I don't know. have had some interesting experiences with the French, not in France, but outside of the French. French travelers. Oh. Not all of them good. Okay. Mm. Give me an example. Oh, okay, great. Well, I was younger. Mm-hmm. But still, I was a man of the world. Mm-hmm. A veritable bon vivant of the jet set culture. And I want to say... <laughs> That I was I was treated rudely and inappropriately by uh, a herd of French French folk who basically just toppled toppled by me as they were you know sort of storming the Bastille as it were. <laughs> I wasn't actually the Bastille, but it felt like you know. Yeah, where were you? Ah, in that one. Oh, I've had this is a true story, and maybe it's just me. Maybe I'm the common denominator. I've had bad experiences with the French in the following countries: Norway, <laughs> Germany, Greece, and one time in Spain. Well, I don't know how the French are, you know, being a tourist. Well, but I, you know, you hear all these horror stories of Americans abroad. Yes. I mean, the I The French write, abroad. Yes. Give also, me a break. I know. Well, and as a child, a lot of people don't know this. At uh, Niagara Falls, I was almost pushed over the railing by a herd of Japanese tourists who just wanted to get a picture of the water. True story. True story. Maybe travelers just don't like you. Hmm. So you went to France for two weeks and then the bug, you know, you just, you had the itch. I know. I think I have these bugs. Mm. <laughs> no, I. Hopefully they're not bed bugs. I don't, I, you know, I don't, I don't think I have those. Okay, good. Yeah. I mean, you seem like a very clean person. Yes, you know, I try to be. But you know, they say no matter how clean you are, you can still get the BBs. As long as you keep your suitcase away from your bed, I think it's a good thing. Mm. That's, that's, you know. Mm. Emily Burton travel tips. Yeah, there you go. Number one. (laughs) Number one, keep that suitcase away from the bed. (laughs) Exactly. Um, No, I, I basically, the night before I was going to leave and go back to Los Angeles, I just, I had... A breakdown, basically. I mean, I was just so upset that I was leaving. And I was like, is this how vacations are going to be from now on? Am I always going to be really upset coming back to, you know, everyday life? And I realized after that, you know, I I started talking to some of my friends and I just decided I'm just going to drop it and go. Drop everything and go. So that's what I did. I am attending the Sorbonne. The Sorbonne. Sorbonne. Yes. yes. Um, but th- uh, French language courses, which are the cheapest, um, but also a very good way to be able to get a student visa and be there for longer than three months, which is technically the only amount of time you're allowed to be there as a tourist from right. America. Indeed. So why do they hate us? Oh, well. <laughs> oh. If you saw some Americans on the metro, you'd understand. Well, no, I see. That's what I said. You know, like I am very cognizant of myself abroad, the booter abroad. <laughs> and I feel like 
you know, I tried to be as respectful to local cultures mm-hmm. and customs as I possibly can within the knowledge base that I have. But I will, you can point out, you know, sort of the stereotypical American travelers. Fanny pack. Yeah. Money oh, belt. Mm. I hear the fanny pack is making its way back. True it or is. false? Mm, true. Mm. I, oh, well, you mean trendy wise? Yes. Yes. But, there's, but they're two very different ways of wearing them. Ah. What's the good way to wear a fanny pack? <laughs> I don't know, personally. I don't think I would wear a fanny pack at this moment. But I have seen it, you know, and you can tell the person is very trendy and hip. So you just accept it. Ah. You know. Hmm. You know? So if you're cool looking by association, <laughs> the fanny pack is also cool. Yeah, it's the confidence that you wear it with. Right. Not the insecurity that you wear it with otherwise. Fanny pack, like, ooh, where's my stuff? I don't know. Do you think, traveler, you know? do you think hipsters are going to start wearing fanny packs? They are already. They are already. Yes. It has invaded the hipster culture. Yes. Dear Lord. Go to Silver Lake in Los Angeles and you'll see fanny packs everywhere. Mm. I tend to just stay up in Williamsburg and Brooklyn, mm. but, you know. I don't know if they're there yet. I don't know if they are. I haven't been there in a while, but I need to go back soon. Just to feel, you know my hipster roots <laughs> i've never need, been there i just need a moment to you know sort of ride around in a single gear bike <laughs> you know in my bow tie and and shoes and just is that a beach cruiser single gear bike is that what you're talking about oh yeah oh yeah man yeah good, oh, good way to get around interesting mm. what's your favorite thing about france oh the first thing i thought was the food but it's not just the food it's actually i think um the history and Paris specifically, I like the contrast that's there between the history and how it's so modern now. Everything, it's just such a, I don't know, a melding of of the most, you know, chic and hip and um, modern things come out of Paris, but yet it's built on this city that, I mean, Ile de Cité, like the very, very beginning of it was... BC, you know, right? Actually, birthed out of an acorn. Oh, yes, the city right. sprung up out of the ground. I forgot about that. Yeah, part. just an acorn. Wow. Bam. That's why there's that big thing in the middle of the thing to yeah. commemorate the thing. Yeah, it's happened. a good thing a squirrel didn't get that. Before. No, my God, I know. Yeah. Damn squirrels, they're everywhere. They really are. They are. They try to kill people too. I think. French you know, squirrels like... or regular, just squirrels in general. Mm, regular squirrels. Do French squirrels wear berets? I don't think I've seen a French squirrel. Mm. Maybe I have not been paying attention. Well, no, you've been looking at all the bikers yeah. who are ruling those streets. And the rats. There are some rats there that are just uh-huh. rank. So Ratatouille was very reminiscent of the ridiculousness <laughs> that, is, that is Paris. Yes, yes. Hmm. Favorite Disney movie? Do you have one? Favorite Disney movie? Oh, my goodness. Oh. Or Pixar. Either or. Mm. Pocahontas. Mm. Colors of the Wind. Yes. She's my 12th great grandmother. Oh. So I have to say it. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> no, I have, I actually have the the family tree that really? says that. But I'm sure there are a lot of people in this world that Pocahontas is their 12th great grandmother because, I mean, think about that. Wait, Pocahontas is legitimately your 12th? Legitimately. What the hell, ma'am? You've been holding out. I know. Like, where? I'm famous. I- can you can you braid hair like Pocahontas? Can you no, talk to willow trees? No, that do not pass can down. You? No, mm. not at all. Mm. I can't braid hair to save my life. Do you have any pets? You like bulldogs? Like like dogs? Uh, bulldogs, no. But um, I do like all animals. Not that I don't like bulldogs, but 
Uh, no, I have two dogs. They're blue healers. Oh. Maggie and Molly. Maggie and are their Molly. Names. Little black dogs. Do you have them in LA? No, I don't. Well, actually, for about half of the year, one of my roommates had a little chihuahua named Brian. His name was Brian. His name was Brian. You seem, you say that so affectionately. Because I love, I, when I first, I don't like small dogs for the most part. Sure, me neither. But I, you know, he was just a sweetie pie. Mm, Brian. Um, Yeah. He didn't like any other dogs or any other people either. And he kind of, maybe once, uh, barked a lot and almost bit Michael Sarah on a walk. No, not Michael Sarah. I know. Nobody likes Michael Michael Sarah. (gasps) Oh, no. Why not? Tell me. It's gossip time. Oh, because Brian doesn't like Michael Sarah. Mm. So who else is like Michael Sarah? As goes Brian, as goes America. <laughs> exactly. Why do you think Brian didn't like Michael? Um, because I think he was making a lot of noise because he was loading things into his trunk. Oh, what was Michael? Was weird. he buying something? No. It was, this he was is a Michael Sarah sighting. I need to know details. He, I think he was just bringing like luggage ah. into his um, car. Yeah. He was loading it himself. Mm-hmm. How pedestrian! I know. Michael, get people celebrities. To do that they're for just you. like Come us. On. What? Oh, no. Michael, seriously, you need to hire someone to do that for you. Yeah. Hmm. Interesting. Brian mm-hmm. does not like Michael Sarah. Yeah. Interesting tidbit. <laughs> fact. Hmm. I know it's the number one fact of Brian. Now, when you go to France, I know you said you've modeled before. Any chance that you'll model again? Um. Probably not, but it just depends on if there's, it just depends on the opportunity, if it presents itself and what it is. Have you had to do any commercial work, as they say in the biz? (laughs) I actually worked at a commercial casting office. I was a um, camera operator and casting coordinator. So not only are you delightful in front of a camera, but you also have had to be behind (laughs) one as well. Yes. Well, that has to make you a very well-rounded person. I mean, because a lot of people either have one set of skills or the other, but you sort of have straddled both worlds. Yeah. Um, it was a very big learning learning experience for me. And I think it also made me not like Los Angeles and that business as much. How so? Mm, there was just a lot of just gross things that I encountered. Mm-hmm. Just being behind the camera and hearing things that producers say sometimes and, you know. Not my producer, no. though. She is a gem. Commercial. Like, very, you know, they just some very interesting things. Mm-hmm. Which aren't, th- that's not how everybody is there. Not at all. No. But, I mean, I sort just of- some things are very disheartening when you, when you realize that there are people that are actually like that. Sure. Well, I think you hear stories and you wonder if they're true. Mm-hmm. Uh, and apparently some of them are. Some of them. Yeah. No, I don't think people in L.A. or New York or Chicago are any different than people elsewhere. No. I mean, that would be that would be silly. They might be a little bit more fast-paced mm-hmm. or a little bit more driven in terms mm-hmm. of getting things accomplished and done. But there are myriad of driven and very productive people all over the country. Right. And not that I... You know, if I had taken more time in Los Angeles, I'm sure that I would be able to find um, a better place for me to be. Or uh, there are a lot of wonderful working people that are in Los Angeles in that business. But just that very specific 
those ex- those experiences made me at that point in my life I was just like you know what not now maybe I'll go and revisit it at some point but why do you think it's so tough to break into the business I think it's all about it's a lot more about hustle than it is about your talent and so if you don't keep up your confidence level you know even though you may be broken down a whole lot you you won't you won't break into that business you know well is it sort of this notion of the law of averages in the sense that the more auditions that you do the more likely you are to yes. get cast in a part yes obviously there are very lucky people who their first audition they walk in they get some big thing that happens and that's i think destiny fate what have you but the universe <laughs> the universe here you go yeah exactly but uh no i think it's about getting into as many rooms as possible having ev- as many people see you and see what you can offer and well, then you develop relationship with relationships with those people like casting directors and things like that well getting as into as many rooms as possible elliot spitzer's call girl sort of lives by that well Ooh. there you go mm. that's god, not what i meant god bless <laughs> oh i didn't oh i'm sorry i oh I, perhaps i misread you there casting rooms as possible i see ah, ah. auditions mm, and such yes mm. do you have a favorite genre to work in um i do seem to like drama a little bit better or i feel more comfortable there but i also really enjoy comedy and things like that so moving back to france how long will you be at the sorbonne um, my class, at least for this semester, is through the end of May. So I'll probably be in France until June at this point. Well, well that's, that's how long my visa will extend. That is got to be a, sort of a feather in your cap to, to say that you've studied there. Yeah. I mean, it is one of the premier universities in the world. Universities. and Yes. Uh-huh. So after France, if there is anything after France... <laughs> Which, you know, some people would oh, say that there is nothing after France. Nothing at all. Uh, what do you hope to do? How do you tend to intend to uh, continue on with your acting and, and, and that career in, in maybe theater or, or the cinema? Yes. Um, well, everything's kind of open at the moment. But I have applied to a couple um, one-year grad schools in London. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'll be auditioning while I'm overseas this spring and see what happens with that. If so, if that does happen, then hopefully I'll study there and be able to maybe work a little bit in London as well, um, in the theater scene, which I got to visit this past summer, and it was just phenomenal and amazing. So we shall see. Speaking of France, do they have, like, uh, statues to Ben? Isn't there a statue of Ben Franklin in France somewhere? I don't know. There's a little Statue of Liberty. Well, of course. It's sort of the, the Statue of Liberty mini. Yes. Mm. It's like the Polly Pocket of Statues of Liberty. Without a slide. Do you think the French just gave the Statue of Liberty to us as like, oh, hello, look at what we can give them. It is a really crappy gift that we don't want. It's a corporate green. We don't even want it. Here you go, <laughs> Liberty. Have a good time, America. Do you think it was like that? Maybe. Or do you think their intentions were pure? Do you think they were really like, what do we need to do to our uh, American brothers and sisters? These, uh, to give them a statue of, uh, I don't know, uh, liberty. No, I think their intentions were pure. 
But I like your French accent. Thank you. Thank you. We do try. Do you think it would pass muster over there in France? (laughs) If you spoke English with a French accent? Yeah, exactly. My mom did that in uh, Italy. She would walk around and speak speak in English. She's like, they can't understand me. So for some reason, she thought that with an Italian accent, it would help. (laughs) Which I don't think it did. Oh, that's great. I would like a gelato. <laughs> Please, now. Grazie. Yes. <laughs> that's perfect. Good old Reba Roberts. Oh, my. Mm. <laughs> that is delightful. <laughs> Man. Well, Em, what we do at the end of the show, I, you know, I wish you the best of luck. Thank you. No. Thank you. Thank you for being on the show. What we do at the end is we give our guests the opportunity to say anything that they want to share with the public, to plug anything that they're doing, um, you know, anything you've read recently that you really like, anything, anything, anything. Hmm. Um, Some people decline the offer, which is fine. You know... I think I'll decline the offer. You're going to decline the offer. You can say anything to anything. Any, anything. Anything. Anything you want. You've stumped me. I know. See, when you tell people they can say anything they it's want. It's very, very scary. Yeah, it is. It's like yeah. you're on a cliff and just looking out into right, the universe. because you could say anything. Into you, the beautiverse. That's, oh, yes. Mm, looking out into the vast, vast vista of the beautiverse. Exactly. Mm, and you could say anything. <laughs> People decline. They said, "No, no, I don't want to. I don't want to tackle anything." Hmm. Hmm. It is a stumper, isn't it? It is. Yeah. Well, there is this book. There's a book. There's okay. A book. Okay. Here we go. We've got a book. It's not my book or anything. Okay. You didn't write it. No. But, but you... I. But I have. I've. I've just started it. You've just started. Okay. But I find it very interesting. All right. We like book recommendations here on the Boomers. Yeah. Um. It is kind of a French historical book. It's the history of Paris specifically. Um, but it's called Metronome. Metronome. Yes. And it's this, this guy, uh, the author, Laurent, I don't know how to say his last name. Lovely. And I'm going to France, right? No, but it's spelled, how does it? D-E-U-T-S-C-H. So like most people would say Dutch or Deutsch. Correct. But how do, how would the French say it? Exactly. I mean, it goes through all of the metro stops actually in the Paris area. And explains the history through that. Oh, interesting. So you get an idea of where everything is in relation to modern Paris. It's very cool. Is the Parisian metro the oldest in the world? Is that right? Or I one of don't, the, I one don't of know the oldest? I'm sure it's one of the oldest, but I don't know. Hmm. We I haven't gotten that. that far yet. Oh, you haven't? I would have thought that he would have put that right up on the front. Yeah, not yet. They just they just started calling it Paris. Oh. So, you what know, was before it called it was before? Lutetia. Lutetia. By the Romans. Oh, hey, girl. My name is Lutetia. I was a city in France. <laughs> Holla. Exactly. So, shout out to Metronome. And to Lutetia. 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 And to Lutetia. <laughs> Again, that book was Metronome by Laurent Deutsch. You can find it in bookstores probably everywhere where they have French translations or English translations of French, which I'm sure are very extensive here in the wonderful country we like to call 
America. Emily, it was so great to have you on the show. Thank you. Mm. So good to be here. Mm. I'm so glad you had a lovely time. (laughs) And we are looking forward to great things from you in the future. Lovely. Mm. Lovely indeed. Thanks, everybody. And we'll be right back right after this. We, of course, would like to send a special thanks to Emily Burton for being on the show. We'd like to send a special thanks to Courtney and our sound engineer, Sonny, for producing such a lovely program. Also, a special thanks to Quadrants for composing our theme song. And, of course, to you, the listeners, for listening in. We are so glad you did. If you haven't had enough of me here, you can also find me all over social media. We're on Twitter, Facebook, and even on Instagram. You can find us at The Booter. We'd love to hear what you think about the show, and there's actually a place for you to comment on our website. If you go to www.thebooter.com, you can find the comment section and let us know what you think. We're also on Pinterest, because, you know, men should be on Pinterest? I know interstellar travel is a bit difficult, but the Booterverse is always a click away.